Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You guys can be seated. So good to be back, and uh, I have missed you so very, very much. Those of you that are freshmen, uh, first year student or first year semester here, whether you're upperclassmen, you transferred in, uh, I look forward, really look forward to getting to know you. I had my first lecture this morning in the class that I teach, Personal Formation of Spiritual Leader, and uh, again, a lot of students that I've uh, coming back to see and, and some of you that are new. My heart for God, my heart for the things of the Lord, and my heart for what God is doing on our campus, and my heart for what God is doing in your heart, in your life, is why I'm here. I don't have time to unpack the whole story of what brought me here. Those of you that are upperclassmen, you know a little bit of my background, but I'm a graduate of North Central University way back when, you know, Abraham was studying here and and Noah and Moses, but way back then in the day I was here, I was a student, I sat in this very sanctuary on pews uh, back in the day, and, but it was, it, was, it was chapel every day, and it was dynamic, and it was awesome, and it was classwork, and it was res life, and all those things mixed together to bring a formation into my life. God sent me here to get trained, to get prepared, I had a pastoral call in my life, and graduated and went out and was a pastor, was a youth pastor, associate pastor, lead pastor, all of those capacities over the course of about 30 years, and then had the privilege of coming back here. And uh, what a joy it's been. I'm in my seventh year, and uh, God giving me the opportunity to be like a, like a pastor away from home for you um, and doing whatever I can to influence you, whether it's in chapels. I don't do a lot of speaking in chapel, but I'm here virtually every day, and I'm in my office, uh, and I, uh, I meet with students in class, and just love the interaction that we can have. Now, we know that this semester we've got the challenge of the COVID restrictions and the social distancing, and we can't get but like 120 or 30 human beings in this space in order to be socially distant, uh, which, is, which is the situation. It's just the reality, and we deal with it, and we ask God to help us move through it as best we can. And I know that there are some students here, I don't know if we've got students in the quarantine floor or not, but if you're in the quarantine floor, I hope that you, know, we, you feel the love that, that you're getting you know, distance-wise from chapels and classes. And some of you have decided to stay home or stay in your, in your res hall because you're not feeling good and you want to protect others. And so, uh, praise God. Churches have made the shift to uh, not just be speaking to the live audience, but also speaking to those that are dialing in on the Facebook platform or, 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 or YouTube. And so we're doing the same thing. We're just kind of figuring it out as we go, and uh, it's a great journey. God has been faithful. I'm excited to be able to share this morning because I'm going to share a little bit of the story of what happened to me in these last eight weeks, but I get to dovetail it into a series that last semester, last year, we started building. Uh, a group of, of people, uh, including Dr. Alan Tennyson, Dr. Vinny Zarletti, uh, Dr. Lon Flippo. You've heard those guys already preach and speak this uh, fall already. And we've got uh, about four or five more speakers coming after me. And I've got an assignment this morning to, to speak into, the, into a series that we call Chapel Core Series. And the reason we built this series of Chapel Core messages, and we titled it Chapel Core to kind of correlate with life core, life core if you live in the res halls, life core is that weekly 
kind of small group as a floor of people and your DLs and your assistant DLs are discipling you and you're talking about things and, and we want to take these chapel messages and would love to have it kind of filter into your, your life core gatherings where you kind of unpack a little bit of what we've tried to deliver in the chapel messaging. But the whole idea is to address a real common problem, a real common issue that that church leaders are trying to figure out, and we at North Central have to give some attention to, and that is this. Uh, uh, how do we help students get a better grasp of the, of the big picture and the small pictures of this thing that we call our Bibles? How do we do that? And we, for many years, kind of assume, well, you come to North Central and you, you take your Old Testament lit course and you take your New Testament lit course. It's required for all students. And then we, you know, we, we encourage you to, you know, to take other Bible classes and you're in chapel virtually every day and you're getting some great messages. And, and yet we've realized that even in our chapel messaging, the chapel programming, it's good, but we sometimes feel like you're almost kind of getting the same message, not every day, but certainly when we say to chapel guest speakers, hey, bring a message to college students, they bring great messages to college students, but it's kind of a narrow message that is good, but it's, it's, it can be somewhat repetitive, and we ask ourselves, okay, if we have the opportunity to have students in chapel, maybe not live this semester, but you know, you're in chapel a lot, if we can take this opportunity, carve out some chapels every semester to take you through the scripture from Genesis to Revelation, if we can, if we can create a pathway for you to go through the scriptures, uh, that that would really be a benefit to you because this book is a big book. Now, mine's kind of skinny, but that means it's small print. But the Bible is a big book and it's hard to get a grasp on it and it's hard to get a grasp on it in a hurry. And we're a hurry culture. And we want like it all broken down into bite-sized, bite uh, you know, one meal thing. And, and we're not as patient in our enduring to go from Genesis 1 to all the way to the end of the book of Revelation. And for that reason, in between, there's all kinds of very difficult material. You know, some of those prophets are hard to understand and you know, the Old Testament history is kind of convoluted in the sense that it kind of goes back and forth. It's not all chronological. So it's hard to get a big idea of the scriptures. Uh, so here's what we want to do in our chapel core. We want to take you from Genesis to Revelation every semester, but not verse by verse and not like book by book, but we want to take you from Genesis to Revelation every semester on a theme. Okay, so we're not going to hit every part of the Bible in every trip through the scriptures, but we're going to kind of traverse and we're going to hit the high points as it relates to a particular theme. So this semester, as we launch this chapel core concept of exposing you to the full breadth of God's word over the course of maybe eight or nine chapel services and teachings, we're going to hopefully, over the course of many semesters, if you're here for you know, six semesters over three years or eight semesters over four years. You literally, if you're in chapel, you come to our chapel core chapels especially, you'll go through the Bible six times if, if we just continue to fulfill this, this idea. So this fall, we've chosen to start with the theme of God's presence. God's presence. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. 
And it's not as though God's presence burst onto the scene at that moment, but the manifestation of his presence became known in the sense of our understanding of what it means for something to now be. And Dr. Alan Tennyson uh, let us know in his beginning message many uh, several uh, weeks ago that God's presence reveals salvation. It's revealed in salvation. I don't know how you were saved. Not, don't know when it happened. I know when I was saved as a 15-year-old kid in 1980 that God's presence became known to me when I accepted Christ personally into my life. And God burst onto the scene. His presence burst onto the scene. And how do I know that I know that I know that I know that I was born again? Dramatically, like 2 Corinthians 5.17, you know, the old has passed away, the new has come. We became a new creature. How do I know that happened to me? Because after I gave my life to Jesus, the person who led me to the Lord said, the very first thing you need to do from this day forward is you got to get into this book. You need to start reading this book. And I was specifically instructed to start reading in the New Testament. Start reading in the New Testament. And I went home after giving my life to Jesus, and I started reading in Matthew 1.1, and I couldn't put the book down. I could not, I was raised in church all my life, mainline denominational church, I was confirmed, I'd been exposed to this book, but I'd never been exposed to the person of this book whose name is Jesus. And inviting Christ into my life, the Holy Spirit came into my life and made me alive to this thing called God's Word. But I didn't know, I didn't know spit about this book. Really, even though I'd gone to church, I didn't know I didn't know how it worked. I read the Gospel of Matthew, basically, those 28 chapters in just a few days because I couldn't put it down. And then I started the Gospel of Mark. And as I'm reading the Gospel of Mark, I'm thinking, this is kind of the same story. I didn't realize what the Gospels were, four of them. What? And I started reading Luke, and it's kind of the same story. And John, kind of the same. You know, I had no idea of the synoptic Gospels and then, Mar- and then John's Gospel. I didn't. All I knew is I couldn't put it down. And um, God began putting on my heart maybe the desire to go into becoming a youth pastor, like a call of God on my life. And I thought, how awesome that would be, but I I don't even hardly know this book. Now, I enjoy the little snippets. I can read a passage in the in the book of Acts, and that, wow, that's dynamic. And what I'm, you know, in the moment reading is like dynamic, or in the moment I hear someone preach a message about a a particular passage, it's like, wow, that comes alive to me. But I had no sense of how the entire book worked and how the entire Bible fit together. And so how did I get that? I started journeying through the Bible, cover to cover, when I, was in, when I was in high school, I started, with the, I started by reading from Genesis to Revelation every year. And it took, it took a year. It, it takes a year for me to get through the Bible. But I've had that as a practice. And, and by getting you know, cover to cover through the Word of God, it's not like I'm the Bible answer man. There's still a lot of the Scripture that I don't grasp, I don't get. It's challenging. It's hard. You know, the genealogies, they're hard to read through. They're hard to get something out of. But nonetheless, it's, it's, it, my point is it's hard to grasp this book from the macro view. And so that's why we're building these chapel core messages. We want to take you through thematically through the Scriptures. And that's what we're trying to do. And as we talk about God's presence 
Dr. Lon Flippo had the second message in the Chapel Corps series messages, and he talked about God, God's presence is revealed to us uh, in our times of loss. That when we're in a season of grieving, it's like God shows up in some unusual ways, some powerful ways. Isn't that great of our God? Yeah. And then Dr. Zarletti, just last week, just before fall break, he, he spoke about God, reveals his presence in location. What a great truth. You know that God sees the location, not necessarily geographically, but certainly because he's omnipresent, he's right here. He's geographically in the location where you're at. He's here. But even more importantly, he, he knows the location of your emotions. He knows the location of your fears. He knows the location that is defined by some dynamic that is troubling you on the inside. And God is the God of location. And it's not that you have to find him in his location. You don't have to chase God somewhere super spiritual like some particular church or some particular mountain. I mean, those might be great places. And there might be revival happening. And sure, go, but it's not like you got to go to God's location. God, It's letting him find you in your location. And that brings us to a great passage today in 1 Kings. 1 Kings 19 says this. The Lord said to Elijah, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. Say it with me. Gentle whisper. Say it with me, whisper, just a gentle whisper. Some translations say a still, small voice. In verse 13, when Elijah heard it, I'm just going to pause there. When Elijah heard it, I like to say, and Elijah heard it. And he responded. The point is not how he responds. The point is how God shows to us how his presence is manifested to us. And so the point of this message is that God's presence is revealed in small, unexpected ways. Small and expected ways. Okay? So we're trying to build all these teachings on a concept of the what, the so what, and the now what. Now the what is very, very simple. The what is that God's presence is revealed in a still, small voice. What's the so what? In other words, what's the big deal? I mean, why is this a big deal? Well, this is a big deal to understand that God manifests his presence in a multiple different ways, but oftentimes it's unexpected and it's in small ways. And the, and the so what about this is that you and I often find ourselves married to the way God did it yesterday. And that's not to say that the way he did it yesterday is bad. It's just that you've heard the phrase, we don't put God in a box. 
So we're going to see God reveal himself in a gentle whisper. And that's not to say that the Holy Spirit doesn't reveal himself in the loud, celebratory ways like yesterday's chapel was awesome. It was awesome. It was incredible. You know, our multicultural programming and the the Hispanic emphasis and Pastor Victor and the worship team, it was just awesome. And, and you guys showed up. Maybe you personally weren't here, but we, we basically had a full chapel of what we are allowed to have, and it was great. It was awesome. Those online, I'm sure you were blessed by it as well. But the, the point is this. God shows up when it's loud, sure. All you have to do is look into this particular context when, where this passage, okay, we don't just read the passage, but we want to, like, to really get the emphasis of this passage, we got to kind of pull back and see, well, what was happening before this? And when you go back to the previous chapter, you find Elijah in a situation where the manifestation of God's presence is loud and it's powerful because what we have here is we have a prophet who God has raised up and it's a time in which God's presence is being I don't know, kind of challenged or you know, in competition with other ways of faith, and that would be the worship of Baal. And you got all these prophets of Baal that are saying, our God is real, our God is real, and, but Baal's not real. And so God raises up Elijah to say, hey, let's have a challenge. Let's have a challenge. Let's build two altars, an altar to Baal, and I'll build an altar to God, and we'll establish it. We'll put an animal on the sac- as a sacrifice, and we'll, we'll, we'll see whose God is real by the way in which, which God answers with fire. And if you've never read this story, it actually happened. you should, you got to read it. It's just, it's amazing. And it was loud. And God showed up in the loudness as the, as the prophets of Baal built their altar and called upon Baal to answer by fire and nothing happened. It was crickets. And it's even funny how Elijah teases them. Oh, your God must be busy going to the bathroom or something. And literally, that in the literal Hebrew, that's part of the tease. And so the prophets of Baal are done. They can't get their God to answer by fire. And so Elijah prays. And it's like, woof! Fire came down. And fire is not silent. Especially the the type of fire that consumed this altar, because it not only consumed the animal, the fire of God consumed the altar itself. And it's quite funny, Elijah, in order to like, like put a little pressure on God, he not only put his, built his altar and put his animal on, he doused it with gallons and gallons of water. So much so that there was a moat of water completely surrounding the sacrifice. And the scripture, by word, tells us that God not only consumed the animal, but consumed the altar and licked up all the water. And I'm certain that that was loud. I'm certain that that was high energy. I was certain that that was like youth convention or summer camp where you experience God and it actually charges your adrenaline. In a powerful way. I know this because the Bible tells us that after that event, Elijah shows the classic signs of depression. 
or we should say the classic signs of adrenaline overload. And the classic signs of your adrenal glands totally wiped out is that you're depressed. And you were so spiritual yesterday and God showed up so big. And now I don't even feel like I'm a Christian. But you are a Christian. It's just that your human body was affected by the dynamic of the loudness of God's presence. And now God wants to reveal to you, as he's going to reveal to Elijah, that he's just as present when you're quiet. And so God finds him in this cave, and God says to Elijah, why are you here? And you read verses 9 and 10 of 1 Kings 19, and Elijah is so depressed, he's so whiny. Oh, God, everybody's fallen away from you. They've forsaken your covenant. Nobody loves you. I'm the only one left. They've killed all your people, all your prophets, and they're wanting to kill me because he's heard from about this woman who wants to kill him. Her name is Jezebel. The guy stands before all these prophets of Baal the day before with great power, and he gets intimidated by a woman. I'm not trying to say anything necessarily about the, the people that are intimidated. I'm just saying that when you're down, when you're fatigued, when you're depressed, it doesn't take much to make you feel like it's over. And God says, listen, I want you to stand by the mountain. I want you to stand on the mountain. Because the presence of the Lord is about to pass by. And I think what could also be said, the presence of the Lord is about to pass by in a way that you would have never expected it. So here's what I want to say. I'd like to have the band come on up and just begin to play something soft in the background if you would. Um, here's what we need to learn. We need to learn to love and enjoy and engage in the loudness of God's presence but we have to not be married to it. That it's the only way God shows up. We've got to know that God also shows up in the still small voice. The seeming lack of presence can actually be a gateway to God's greatest revelation of His presence. So I had this heart surgery eight weeks ago. And um, I had bypass surgery. And I know you're all saying, Dr. Graham, you are so young looking. You're so good looking. You know, like, you're fit. I mean, you had bypass surgery. What's going on here? Why did you have to have bypass surgery? Well, first of all, bypass surgery is, 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 people have bypass surgery because there's a blockage. The heart needs blood in order to pump blood throughout the body. So it needs blood. And so the arteries that go into the heart are vital. And so I, I had three arteries that were 70% blocked. And what's scary is I didn't even know it. In other words, I didn't have any of the classic signs that, hey, I might have a heart attack. I got to get something. To take. I, I, so how did they find out? How did they discover? Well, the reason they discovered, I told this story a couple of years ago. It's a sad story. My older brother, he was 58 years of age, died out of nowhere while riding his bike because of a heart attack, just gone. And that's a hard lesson for the rest of us. But it's a lesson that put me on the, on the track of saying, you know what? I don't want that to happen to me. 
No, that's not what I said. I said this. I said to myself, that's not going to happen to me. And when I determine that that's not going to happen to me, it means I need to do something about it. I need to get to the doctor. I need to get checked out. And i got to be ready to change my diet and be more serious about exercise and all that. So I went to the doctor and had deep tests done. And they found this blockage this summer. And so that's, I was under the knife. They slipped me wide open, ripped open my chest, and grafted in, you know, arteries from my, from my arm. I got, a, I, got a, I got a scar this long, and I got another one on my leg, and, you know. And so what they do is they just kind of cut your sternum in half. They rip it apart. The doctor gets in there like he's working on a small little engine, and he does all that fun stuff. And then they pull your chest back together again. They wire it all together. So how do you recover from heart surgery? Let me tell you, it's painful. It's painful. It's not painful on the heart. The pain is all this reconstruction of getting your, your, your chest back together again. And so, I don't know if you know what this dealy bob is. This is a spirometer, okay? Respiratory therapists give this out to patients who have to, who have to work on getting their lungs moving. Lungs and heart work together. Lungs and heart work together. You do not live if you don't have oxygen. And, and we often think that the most important thing in our body is our blood, which it is important, but it's only important because it carries oxygen throughout our body. And so when the heart needs help, it needs help because it needs to get that oxygen throughout the body. So when they rip your chest open, they put it back together again, I don't want to breathe very deeply because it's even painful to breathe. And that's why they say, well, guess what? This is going to be your instrument of torture for the next several weeks. You're going to breathe in as much as you can, and you've got to get to a certain number, and you've got to, because the more you breathe in, the more the chest expands, and it pushes against that tender rib cage, and, and you know, your therapist just becomes your worst enemy, and you've got to work against the pain. That's a great lesson. When God's not speaking to you, or you feel like He's not speaking to you, where is He? you got to push against the pain. Because what I've understood is that as I push against the pain, I hate this thing. I hate this thing because I look at it and it triggers pain. But here's what I've discovered. I'm eight weeks out, and I've discovered that the pain doesn't last. Okay? Now, I'm not totally pain-free yet, but I'm a long ways from where I was week one and week two after surgery. So you're here, and maybe you're in a season of pain, or you're in a season where it's hard and it's difficult, and it's not youth convention anymore, it's not summer camp, or, you know, the, we miss the, 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 the dynamic chapel day after day after day after day, and it's kind of sporadic, and whatever. Maybe God is wanting to expand your understanding of His presence. Okay? So I want to give you three things real quick, real quick, real quick. Number one, how do you lean into the gentle whisper? Number one, you've got to listen to the prompt first. The prompt for Elijah was God saying, Get up, and I want you to stand on the mountain. Just a simple, get up, walk to the mouth of this cave, and stand on the mountain because I'm about to pass by. God's prompting. He's always prompting us to do something when we're depressed, when we're discouraged, when we're about to quit. 
Okay, what's, what's he prompting you? He might be prompting you to get to the SSE, the Student Success Center, to get a counseling appointment. He might be prompting you to talk to the professor that you're struggling with. He might be prompting you to, you know, talk to your friends. Whatever the case may be, he wants to reveal himself, but he's going to prompt you. Second thing that you need to do is this. You need to appreciate but not worship the noise. Okay? Appreciate the noisy presence of God and engage and get into it. About the only thing I couldn't do yesterday in yesterday's chapel was jump up and down because I can't disturb my, my, my sternum just yet. Appreciate, but don't worship the noise. Because God, God is in the noise, but God is also in the gentle whisper. Okay, so appreciate both. And then, lastly, you gotta, then you'll be ready to absorb the whisper. You'll, you'll be able to absorb the whisper. Absorb the whisper. God's presence comes to us in a number of different ways, manifesting both loud and soft. I think what God is mostly looking for is are we, are we leaning in? You see, a whisper does something that loud communication doesn't do. It's like if someone's trying to get everyone's attention, we either raise the volume of our voice or we just start talking a little softer. And it's amazing how when someone starts to whisper, it causes the listeners to lean in. Like, I don't want to miss what's being said. That's how God wants to see us. He wants to see if we're leaning in. So as we sing for the remainder of our chapel and we worship through singing, it might, you guys raise the volume however you want, but just take this as a, as a, as a reminder that it doesn't always have to be loud and doesn't have to be, it can be, but maybe God wants you to lean in into the quiet, like in your devotional time when there isn't any music. So let's lean in as we sing. Lord, I pray as we sing and as we worship you, uh, it might very well be the gentle whisper that you are going to manifest into the heart of students that need to hear you. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. In Jesus' name. No one can measure.